Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the Patriots Report is brought to you by Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use your promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. This week, Patriots-Lions, 1 o'clock Sunday afternoon at Gillette Stadium. We have Glover Quinn and Jack Cavanaugh of the Cleveland Lions podcast on with us to break down what is sure to be one of the more compelling matchups of the year for the Patriots as they look to improve to 2-3 and three on the season at the expense of the Lions. I want to start with a really simple question. Maybe, Jack, you can start with this one. Are you excited to be covering the first starter in what will inevitably be the Hall of Fame career of one Bailey Zappi? I absolutely am. You have to remember, Bailey Zappi is the all-time leader in passing yards and passing touchdowns, smashed Joe Burrow's records last year at Western Kentucky. It's going to be interesting seeing the, the transition from the air raid shotgun approach to under center, but I'm excited to see what he can do. Unfortunately, I am hoping he struggles a little bit against what has been a sieve of a defense to this point. Glover, you you were really interested. You said something really interesting this week. You said that you think that Zappi should start ahead of Mac Jones. Well, I said that. I mean, obviously, Mac Jones isn't healthy right now, and so you want to go who gives you the best chance to win. And if Mac is not healthy and then, and then even when he was healthy, he wasn't playing great. You guys are off to a one and three start. So what, what do you have to lose? I mean, Bailey Zappi got thrown into a situation last week in Lambeau field and gave you guys a chance to win the game. And so for him to get thrust into that environment and not back down, not shy away and make enough plays to give you guys a chance to win, you know, having a week of practice, having a week of preparation, having a week of just going in, knowing that I'm going to be the guy that may be a spark. And then, you know, with what he did last week, he gained a lot of respect from his teammates. And so they may even feel better going into the fight with somebody like a Bailey Zappi. So, you know, a lot of careers, man, a lot of careers, my career, Tom Brady's, like a lot of careers start. And I mean, most people in the NFL can probably say this. A lot of careers start because somebody get hurt and you get an opportunity. Everybody in the NFL is, are talented football players. You're, you're the best of the best. Yes. Are there better players? Yes. But everybody out there can play. And most of the time, it all comes down to getting the opportunity and being in the right system at the right time. That's what it boils down to most of the time. And maybe this is Bailey Zappi's time. Maybe, you know, when, when I think back to Mac, and I'm not out on Mac, but Mac wasn't playing great. You know, sometimes having that pressure on your head may be too much. You know what I'm saying? You're like, you're the one that's backing up the all-time great Tom Brady. They're comparing you 
to Tom Brady. Like, that's difficult. So they won't compare Bailey Zappi to Tom Brady. They'll say Bailey Zappi is better than Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. And that takes pressure off Bailey Zappi. And then Mac Jones making go somewhere else and be a successful football player. But who knows? Maybe, like I said, maybe if Bailey Zappi plays well against the Lions on Sunday and comes back the next week, and you know how Bill is. Bailey Zappi will be the guy. You know, it's interesting. At least I think it's interesting. You guys might think it's otherwise. Is that these are two teams who I think are trying to play cool. When it comes to some injury questions, we see Mac Jones at practice. We saw him today throwing a little bit, but I think it's the sort of thing that's designed really to keep Detroit guessing. Is it going to be Mac? Is it going to be Zappy? Who's going to play quarterback on Sunday? And I think some of this is in play with Detroit. The Lions might be doing some, you know, some of the same stuff with some of the guys who they have who are banged up. I'm not necessarily saying it's wrong, but I think it's interesting that you have two teams who are in the same type of situation health-wise going into this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think, you know, these teams do all those. They go through all these different gyrations to try to throw the other teams off. I mean, I get it, but it doesn't really work. I mean, we all we, – we're not – I mean, if I was playing, I wouldn't be preparing for Mac Jones. I'd be preparing for Bailey Zappi, knowing that if, if Mac Jones got in there, he's not healthy. Like, he can't run. He can't move. He can't do all those things. You don't just come off an ankle injury that quickly, right? If you couldn't play last week and you can barely walk on a Wednesday or a Thursday, you can't move like that on a Sunday. So we'll be putting pressure on him. We wouldn't be worried about that. We'll be preparing for Betty Zappi, and it'd be the same thing with the other teams. I don't know why teams go through all that stuff. Like, hey, man, the guy either can play or he can't. Like, it is what it is. Jack, we're recording this show on Thursday afternoon, and as we sit here, the Lions have some health questions, as we alluded to, coming into this game. Ten guys missed practice Wednesday. Chark, St. Brown, two guys who've had ankle issues who are a very important part of that team. Uh, Tell me where they are in the rest and rehab process and the likelihood of them playing Sunday against the Patriots. Well, starting with Swift, we all know he's going to be out. They said it's going to be a two-week injury. He wasn't placed on IR, but he's not going to be back till after the bye, so... Don't have to worry about him. Apparently, Amon Ross St. Brown is still day-to-day. And there's a popular saying that I like, day-to-day can often mean week-to-week. And so if Amon Ross St. Brown didn't practice practice yesterday, didn't practice today, and is day-to-day, I don't think we're going to see him until after the bye either. Now, DJ Chark and Reynolds, I really have no idea where they're at because Less information is being given on them because less reporters are asking questions because they're not the stars. So it's going to be interesting. The one thing I know, TJ Hawkinson didn't practice yesterday with a hip. He's going to play through it. This is now a common thing for TJ. He's going to miss Wednesday's practice, probably going to be limited Thursday and then full on Friday. So then there's the offensive line, which is all banged up as well. And I think the only question is left guard Jonah Jackson. Is he going to play or not? Because Taylor Decker, he's limited, but he's going to play. Frank Ragnow, he's he's limited, but he's going to play. Right guard, Evan Brown, limited, he's going to play. So it's really just the question mark of St. Brown and the receivers, as well as that left guard position. And if Jackson is out again, they've got Dan Skipper, who's played pretty well. Glover, the book on the Lions, at least from the outside, appears to be relatively simple. They have a great offense, a world-class offense at times, and very little defense. Go a little beyond that for me. Tell me, first of all, tell me if that's accurate. And if not, give me your take on how this team has looked through the first four games this season. Well, I mean, I think that's 
that's I mean, I feel like that's accurate. You know, you look at the offense, they're probably number one in the league in, in offensive output and the points they've scored, the yards they've put up. Um, but defensively, they're probably at the bottom of the league and the amount of points that they've given up and the yards that they've given up. So I think that's exactly what you have. And that's the type of team that has a one in three record. I mean, I feel like you are what your record says you are. Right. You've played really decent football at times and you've played bad football at times. And that gives you a one in three record. That's what it is, because if you're playing good football for the majority of the time, you're probably going to be three and one. Right. So it's a that's that's just what it is. So they hadn't they haven't they've struggled with the mobile quarterbacks, obviously opening up with Jalen Hurts. And then last week, Geno. Um, I mean, I was telling Jack, I thought in the first half, Gino was an MVP candidate just watching him play. And so, you know, for you guys, I mean, that's going to boost Bailey Zappi's confidence, right? If if anybody you get your first start against, why wouldn't you want to be against the Lions the way they're playing defense right now? You know, you go out, you make a couple plays, and who knows what that does for your career. So the Lions got to be very, 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 you know, better on defense. They got to get more pressure on the passer. They got to get better coverage in the secondary. Maybe we got to get some turnovers. I don't think we got, but maybe two or three turnovers on the year. I don't know if we got one interception from the secondary. Like we got to get more turnovers. Aiden Hutchinson got to be a force. Whether he's getting sacks or not, he got to be a force. We got to hear his name called. He's either getting sacks. He's putting pressure on, forcing other guys to get sacks. We got to get some more from those guys. And so offensively, Without Amon Ross St. Brown, without DJ DeAndre Swift, they surprised me last week putting up that many points. Hopefully they can continue that 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 offensive output and put up some points. They just got to get some stops defensively. We all saw the performative aspects of Dan Campbell and the Detroit coaching staff throughout the course of hard knocks. And at least from the outside, it looks like there really is a new era of football for the Lions. But how has that attitude and approach maybe manifested itself in the first four games of the regular season? It's tough to say, really, because we've all loved it during hard knocks, during training camp. We all buy into Dan Campbell. We all love Aaron Glenn, Deuce Staley, just all of these coaches, great coaches. A lot of them played in the NFL. And at times, it just feels as though on defense, they don't have the want to, the desire. And so how do you get that out of your secondary to make them come up and make plays to make them want to tackle. Cause we didn't see that at all against the Seahawks, except for Deshaun Elliott, little of Jeff Akuda. but it's interesting because I still believe in this lions coaching staff. I believe that they can get the best out of this team, but at what point do you have to mix things up? At what point does it change? Because we're still waiting for those plays to happen. Lions, the only players with few te- the only team, with fewer turnovers is the commanders. So I don't know. I don't know how it happens. You know, and, and, and I feel I feel like this right here regard regarding, you know, the team and, and the defense and things like that. I'm not the owner. I'm not the head coach, the general manager. I'm none of those guys. But I do know one thing. You can't you you can't get consistency continuing to make changes. Right. So if you if you believe in your staff, if you look if you like Dan Campbell, you like Aaron Glenn, you like the staff that you have and you believe in what they're doing, then you can't continue to get rid of those guys. You, you just have to get the players in that fit your scheme and your system and that that you bring in have to be different. Right. You look at their secondary. 
none of those guys that I know of were major playmakers far as like turnover machines. And even in college, Jeff Okuda wasn't a top interceptor guy. You know what I'm saying? The only guy that I can think of maybe was Tracy. He had interceptions in college, but he's hurt. You know, I don't know what a money did in college. I'm not familiar with that, but Deshaun Elliott doesn't strike me as a guy that had, you know, 15, 20 interceptions in a four-year career in college. So a lot of the guys that you have, they're not interceptor or playmaker type guys. They're good football players, but you got to get guys that have a knack for turning the ball over. And so you have to give them an opportunity to get those guys in and, you know, changing the staff isn't always the answer because once you change the staff, now you got to get a new staff. Now those players got to learn that system, but then that staff is going to want to get their players in. So you just put yourself behind more years. So if you believe in the coaching staff, stick with them and just give them opportunity to get their guys in, get their systems out there. They're only in the second year. Right. So it takes some time, um, but you do want to see effort. You want to see certain things that doesn't matter who you have out there. Those things should be displayed. Jack, give me the name of one guy on either side of the ball who maybe we aren't talking about when you discuss some sort of big picture preview with this game, who has a chance to make a sizable impact on the game Sunday. So on the offensive side of the ball, of course, Jamal Williams gets all the attention. He's the superstar running the ball with DeAndre Swift out. But his backup, Craig Reynolds, he mixed in, averaged over 10 yards per touch last week. Only four touches, though. So if he gets a little bit more in the receiving game, I think he could take advantage of some of the Patriots' struggles at inside linebacker as of late because Raekwon McMillan's gone to special teams. I know he's hurt, Mm -hmm. so that's kind of a question. Bentley's never been the run with the quick back like a Reynolds. So I think that could be a really interesting matchup on offense on the defensive side of the ball. Keep an eye out for UDFA Demetrius Taylor. So this is the first time he's been active this year. And in preseason, he was the most dominant interior pass rusher. We all saw the highlights of him beating Quentin Nelson, not once, but twice And again, that's just one-on-ones. It happens, but I'm excited to see how he does entering his first NFL game, because if we can get even a little bit of interior pressure, that's going to be a massive difference because we've had none except for Aiden Hutchinson stunting up the middle one game. I saw a report. uh, I think it was earlier today, Dan Campbell talking about Jared Goff as an MVP candidate and the numbers certainly bear that out over the course of the first four games. What is he doing maybe this year? Then he was that he might not have been doing last year. I think he's just comfortable now. You read all the stories in the offseason that last year he looked like a freshman lost on his first day of high school, first day of college, didn't know where he was going, didn't know where the shortcuts were in the building. And now he's just confident because the team's finally bought into him. And that never really happened with Sean McVay. He was always famous for being the voice in the back of his head, calling the plays right up. That's why they ran so much hurry up is so Sean McVay could assess the defense with him under center. So I think just giving him a little bit more freedom has really allowed him to elevate his game. And now he's tied for first in the NFL in touchdown passes. Glover, what have you seen from, from Goff this year that, that maybe makes you say, hey, you know, this is a guy who's taking a step forward. 
I mean, I've seen the same thing. You know, he looks more comfortable. He looks, you know, paused out there. He looks um, like he like he fits, like he belongs. He the guys believe in him. He believe in the system. He understands the system. He he looks older. He looks more mature in the offense, more mature in the system, more mature on the team. That's what he looks like Um, to go as far as an MVP candidate. I can't say all that. I mean, it's hard to say that you're MVP candidate when you're one in three, although you are putting up decent numbers. I mean, it takes more than that to be an MVP candidate, but he's playing well. He's playing better than I thought he would play um, just off of what I've seen from him in the past. So he looks he looks better. He looks improved. He looks good. He's actually been one of the bright spots, like consistently this season for the Lions. And in every, in every game, I felt like he's played well. You, open, you start out week one, he came on strong late. Week two, he came back to four touchdowns. Um, I think he's looked pretty solid um all season so tip my hat to him but I think like Jack said it comes with just having another year in the system another year in the city another year in the building uh, off season with those guys just all that team building and bonding and all that time just makes you feel more comfortable and relaxed and then obviously you know them not bringing in another quarterback to you know do all that stuff gives you that confidence that they believe in you they want you here that you could be the future and I think you know I think that went a long way for him. I'm curious from a New Englander's perspective, how do people in Detroit view Matt Patricia? What's his legacy out there now? Hmm. <laughs> he, he the one, <laughs> he the one, you know, in recent, in recent lines, you know, memory or history, Matt Patricia is the one that killed the franchise because, you know, Coach Caldwell was there and the franchise, you know, had a couple of playoff appearances, was a teetering team, right? Nine and seven, multiple years. And like I said, when when Bob Quinn hires him, you know, that's what they say. Nine and seven isn't good enough, right? And there's a lot of football teams in the NFL back when they was playing 16 games. Now they play 17. So I don't know if it would be nine and eight or whatever, 10 and nine or 10 and seven. I don't know what's the new nine and seven, but there's a lot of football teams that would have loved to be nine and seven with a chance to make it into the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? We were playing in meaningful games in December last weeks of the season against Green Bay and these teams with an opportunity to win the division and get into the playoffs. So, yeah, you want to win 13, 14 games. I understand that. But you got to remember, back in those days when New England was winning all those games, their whole division was awful. The Jets were awful, the Bills were awful, and Miami was awful. I don't think the Patriots will win 13 games this now with how tough that, that division is. So when he came over, to feel like he had to destroy and tear down and rebuild the whole franchise. And then you didn't win nine games in three years. And you put the line so far down in the hole, so far back, even in national people's eyes that like Matt Patricia is known in my opinion amongst the Detroit people. He's a guy that killed the franchise. Jack, what's your take on how Patricia might be viewed now in, in Detroit a couple of years in the rearview mirror? I think Glover really nailed it there, especially as someone who was in that building too, and now gets to see it from a fan's perspective. He gets both lenses on it, but I agree. And you still can feel it. Even with Patricia returning to New England, he's now the not offensive coordinator, but offensive coordinator. And 
Lions fans even look at that and say, well, the only reason he's not an offensive coordinator is because the Patriots can save money and the Lions still have to pay for him. So he's still Mm -hmm. sticking it to the Lions. And so, yeah, the guy who killed the franchise, the guy whose ego got in the way, and this is from a fan's perspective, I don't know for other people, but the guy Mm -hmm. whose ego to try and be Bill Belichick just tore down what was becoming a perennial contender year after year drove out personalities that we all loved. And so it is really unfortunate, but it's also exciting because it's allowed this new era of lions football to develop where we'd still love the offensive line that they brought us. There's still pretty much everyone, but Sewell was drafted or signed by Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia. So that won't get credit though, just because this <laughs> the well has been so poisoned by Matt Patricia. We can't even appreciate the few good things we got because fans just don't want to hear it. Last question for both of you guys. If you were Bill Belichick, what's your game plan for success on Sunday? Give me two or three points of emphasis for New England if the Patriots want to be able to beat the Lions. Well, I think, you know, I think they got to do exactly what New England does. I think they got to stop. They got to slow down Detroit's defense. I mean, offense, you know, and in the past, Belichick has been known to take away your, your best guys, you know, injury may take away among Ross St. Brown. So now you have to be able to stop uh, Jamal Williams and get Jared Goff uncomfortable. So I don't think they'll have any special game plan for any of the wide receivers outside of Amon Ross St. Brown. I think they'll see how TJ's feeling, knowing that he's the next biggest receiving weapon. But I think they'll really look to flush to Jared Goff and make sure that Jamal Williams don't get going. And then I think they're going to test the secondary. I think just like Seattle did with, with Geno Smith, what do you have to lose, right? You're one and three football team. You're going to come out come out and see if the Lions can cover. And, and if they can't, that's going to, you know, give Bailey Zappi some confidence, get his boot, his, his mojo going and, you know, see what they got. Right. Why, why wouldn't you? And I think that's exactly what they'll do. You know, they're going to try to run a game. Everybody has to try to do those things, but I would look for Bailey Zappi to try to throw the ball early in the game and see if the Detroit Lions secondary can hold up. And if they can't hold up, against the pad, but Zappi can light it up. He can throw it, at least on the college level. So we know he has that ability. So if the Lions can't cover and they can do something to slow down Jared Goff and Jamal Williams, could be a tough day for the Lions. I think that, again, I completely agree with Glover, nailed it. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens between Devontae Parker and Nelson Aguilar, who on the Lions defense covers who. Because Parker is the more physical guy, so does that mean Akuda goes with him? That'll be a fun matchup. That'll be a clash. But to that same point, now you leave Amani or Uwarie to be burned deep potentially by Nelson Aguilar. So what they decide to do and how they decide to attack those two corners, check cooks up for Jared Goff this time because it's always different game plans. We know in the Super Bowl, it was the not react to motion and just go in on the run or the blitz. And it completely flustered Goff. Goff is developed. He's not that same quarterback anymore. So will Patricia or will Bill Belichick try the same scheme once again? I don't know. I think Glover's right where it's going to be classic Patriot football, but also just a little wrinkle here, a wrinkle there just to show Goff something different and hopefully get an interception or a forced fumble, make him hold the ball too long. 
that's how turning Doff over is how they win the game. A lot of good stuff, guys. Thank you so, so much for your time. Glover Quinn, Jack Cavanaugh, the Believe in Lions podcast. Make sure you check them out each and every week where you get your podcasts. It's going to be a great ball game. I, I do think it's going to be a great ball game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I, I wonder if New England's going to be able to turn things around or if Detroit's going to be able to, to, to pull this thing off. So again, thank you so much for your time, guys. Take care. I hope to talk to you again very, very soon. Thanks for having thank us. You. A true honor. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Reminder, this episode of the Patriots Report has been brought to you by Bet Online. Football is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.